This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio. Here's your host, Dan Loney. Recently, Walmart announced that it was moving up the start of its Cyber Monday sales to Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. And once again, many of the big-name retailers will have their stores open at some point on Thanksgiving. A few of them are even going to be open all day. To look at what you, the consumer, should expect, we are joined here in studio by Wharton Marketing Professor Peter Fader. And joining us on the phone, Amanda Nicholson, Associate Dean of Undergraduate Programs and also Professor of Retail Practice at Syracuse University. Pete, great to see you again. Always good to be talking to you, Dan. Thank you very much. Amanda, great to have you joining us. And an early happy Thanksgiving to you. Thank you so much. And thanks, happy Thanksgiving to you, too. Thank you. So, uh, Amanda, Peter and I were just talking before we went on the air here. Do we even are we even concerned about calling these Black Friday or or Cyber Monday anymore because they're just one big massive insanity right now? <laughs> well, I think it's all sort of running into each other. It's kind of like a bunch of broken eggs in a pan. I'm not sure if we can keep them as discreet as we'd like to because I think merchants are realizing it's it's just a big shopping time of the year. That's what it is and this is their signal to start really doing some deep discount, um, both in-store and online, and trying to rev up the holiday shopping experience. But, you know, what you buy when is kind of crucial if you're a real scientist at doing this, and people are looking at which days are the best days to buy the deal, you know, <laughs> on what product and getting into all kinds of um, detail on it. But I think, you know, what usually determines what's going to happen is, whether the merchants are holding on to their margins as long as they can. So it's almost a game of chicken. It really does put more emphasis, Peter, on the consumer to really be aware of kind of everything that is being thrown at them. I mean, obviously, they're getting inundated, uh, you know, to begin with. But, I mean, in this week, I've gotten Target, a big thing from Old Navy. You know, you get so many things, and it's almost the consumer has to be very savvy in terms of looking for what is being put on sale when and when they can kind of make that pitch to get that that right price on something. Well, actually, I'm going to take the other way on it, Dan, okay. which is uh, – if it, it, consumers aren't being tortured by this, this is all just great gifts that are being right. uh, put upon them. Now, if they're really smart, they're going to find these these amazing discounts and so on. One of the issues is, it goes back to what Amanda was saying, uh, is it used to be all about the holidays, or it used to be all yeah. about just clearing excess inventory at the end of the year. But now this whole season, there's this mishmash of broken egg days. Uh, it, it's about uh, consumers waiting all year to buy stuff they were going to buy anyway. It has nothing to do yeah. with the holiday. It has nothing to do with inventory clearance. So those strategic consumers, they're already making their lists in June and July yeah. to know what things to buy when. And that's just ter- it's great for them, but it's terrible for the merchants who are just giving mm-hmm. margin away, and they don't really need to. The interesting thing, though, about the inventory part of it is, and I heard an interview earlier today, talked about if you go back one year— uh, the time right before Christmas was so warm 
especially here on the East Coast, yep. that the retailers had so much stock on their shelves. It, it was crazy. They were losing so much money uh, a year ago. Now, from what I'm hearing, uh, retailers are being much more savvy in terms of the amount of stuff that they're actually going to put out on the shelves this year. Well, if they were being really savvy, they would spread it out through the year right. uh, and, and try to have just a steadier flow and not just have this big rush at the end and not be stocking special products, except, of course, for, for holiday uh, items. Uh, but because there's been so much emphasis on selling, selling, selling now, uh, almost uh, depressing sales throughout the year and making things uh, so they're so vulnerable that if there's a weather issue or some other kind of catastrophe, yeah. the whole year could be a disaster for them. Are we to a point, Amanda, where it does feel like, I mean, obviously more emphasis is put on on this kind of six-week period, you know, pre-Thanksgiving through uh, through the first of the year. Uh, but it feels like more and more retailers are, are, are kind of a... They understand what their margins have to be, and they're adjusting things as they go along throughout the year. I, I mean, obviously... You can't go a week without getting some sort of deal from some retailer now because they know that they have to almost put the incentive in there in order to get people to come to the store. I think that's very true for a lot, particularly in the department store arena in that particular category of retail. Um, it's become um, every day is some special day. It's either a, a, a red Saturday or a blue something. It's, it, it never stops. <laughs> I have no idea, though, um, and, and they can now look at their margins on a daily basis. That's possible. I think years ago that wasn't so easy to do, but we, we have the technology to do it. Uh, but I actually kind of agree with Peter. I think what you've got people doing the, the consumer now is like, I mean, you can, you can re research this and you can figure out some great deals specifically for categories like electronics or computers or yeah. whatever you're looking for. But on the other hand, it, it has a sort of backlash effect, I think, in some ways is that, okay, sooner or later, I, you know, it's never the lowest price of the season. So sure. if you think of how many things you come across on your cell phone every day, that says the absolute lowest price of the season, come and buy from me. And then you get the same message two days later. So the validity of what, what the merchants are saying is a little weak, I think. I find myself as a consumer just personally going, oh, good Lord, I know if I wait another week, maybe I can get that. Easy. You, you know, it's, it's become a game which we're all playing. And it's, it's a little depressing because I don't know what to believe anymore. But does the – go ahead, Peter. I'm sorry. Well, I, I think the most depressing part about it is that – uh, as Amanda said, there's so much better data available. So whether it's it's looking at margins per day, or how about looking at at customer value on an individual level? We know uh -huh. that a lot of those customers who are standing outside the door waiting for it to open at 6 a.m. aren't very good customers. They haven't been there since a year ago at this yeah. time, and they're not coming back till next year at this time. Uh, if if the retailers could only see the value of the customers, they wouldn't be doing a lot of things that they're doing. They'd be saying, right. you know what, you can wait, you can buy it more on our terms. But you, the really good customers over here, we're going to give you and only you extra hours. We're going to give you and only you extra return policies and so on. They have right. the capability to do that. It's just not in their DNA to actually act on it. I, I, is right. it just... It's kind of like to me that the age-old thing, which always I find it a little lacking integrity, was if you bothered to cut a coupon out of a newspaper 10 years ago, you could go and buy your can of pumpkin whatever filler for 10 cents less. And I, I don't have time to cut coupons, so I spend 10 cents more. It's like, that's just not fair. 
you know, <laughs> because I'm a really good customer. And you keep asking, you keep drawing people into your stores by the coupon cutting method, as opposed to the person who shops regularly and, mm. and, and drops X number of hundreds of dollars at this food store every year, then send me a turkey or something. I don't know, but I totally agree with Peter. It's become this, you know, chasing after a sale at any cost rather than looking at who really keeps your business going. How do you reward them? Well, even with all the change, and you mentioned going to the grocery store, even with all the changes that are going on in that industry right now, uh, you know, that's been an industry that maybe not as overtly, but I mean, they are, they've built their brands, a lot of them on discounting, you know, of, of yeah. putting coupons in a mailer or, you know, you have the little, the little flyer that you, you, when you walk into the grocery store and obviously now that's changing a little bit because more people are buying their groceries online and, you know, pick it up across the street here. So, I mean, how is the, how is the grocery industry you know, I mean, they kind of set a trend here. How are they going to react to this? And and could they potentially be the industry that maybe changes a lot of this pattern? I do see the changes are going to occur through groceries, but it's not going to be through the American grocery chains. I think it's okay. going to be the European ones that have been much better about smoothing sales out and not being uh, so... Uh, sensitive or, or, or uh, open to having these kind of roller coasters yeah. and so yeah. on. They're going to change the grocery world. And you know what? Even though the grocery world uh, here in the U.S. is dependent on these sales, at least they're spread through the year. You don't see the great big holiday rush uh, no. at the grocery store. So that's a step in the right direction. We just want to smooth things out. It's better for the retailers. In the end, it's, it's better for the consumers. Uh, it, it's just that we're in a, a really bad situation now. Uh, it's only getting worse as we, again, invent all these other make-believe names. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and as we train uh, customers, consumers, to, to expect these things, we've got to find a way. Now, let's talk about a way out. That takes us to, uh, to the REI campaign from last year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the, the opt-outside, which is brilliant in so many ways. But among other things, besides changing the nature of the conversation, it's also a way to kind of fend off some of those low-value customers and, and say, you know what, we're more focused about what we do and who we want to do it with. So maybe they lost a few sales there, but I think they actually increased the value of their customers in the process. And I think their brand as well. And I think if you look, we were talking about food a minute ago. I, I completely agree with you, Peter. If you look at it, food, you know, we, we talk so much about pricing and we don't often talk enough, I think, about product itself and how it sits with your, with your core customer, your target customer. So if you look at... Um, in the food areas, look at the growth of, of Whole Foods or Trader Joe's. They're not really on this price war. I mean, I go in there and buy a packet of um, biscuits, as we call them, cookies, as you call them, which are fabulous for the most obscene amount of money. Do you know? What I mean? And yeah. I don't, I don't expect that to be discounted. I realize it's a particular product that is made for a targeted audience that wants a product that's very high quality, and, and so it's four ninety nine. So I pay it. They make their margins. I get a cookie that's absolutely delicious, that someone tastes like someone home-baked. It all works. But then when you get down to the sort of vanilla wafer wars, then it all gets crazy. And, of course, it's interesting to point out, we may be getting a little off track with the Black Friday here, but Trader Joe's is owned by one of those European chains that's right. going to come here and wreak right. havoc when, when they really establish themselves. Well, I, I wanted to get your opinion on uh, on the Thanksgiving uh, element to to this uh, to this war of, of of sales because obviously for the last few years we've seen retailers open on Thanksgiving Day some of them you know make it a a, a 
uh, a pattern that they're not going to open up before like 5 p.m. They want people to, you know, be there with their families. But once you kind of get to that point, hey, look, I'm done with the family, they want to open the doors. Some of them now are open all day. Uh, Walgreens is one. Rite Aid is another. Now, those may be a little bit of a different uh, element because of what they actually provide to the consumer. It feels like, though, I and I talk with, with friends of mine, and they're like, I, I'm I'm done with these stores that are open on Thanksgiving Day. Now they're probably more the minority than anything else. Is it in general, Amanda, that the feeling of a lot of American consumers is that that opening on Thanksgiving Day is more of a negative PR concern than it is a positive? I think it depends on who you're talking to in terms of the customer base. There is a customer clearly that's going to wait out in 36 inches of snow in the freezing cold on whatever day of the year it is to get a product at an extraordinarily low price. That is one customer. There's also a lot of other people who sort of tried that for a bit, I think, and that's what you're, those, who, those are the people you're referring to, who, who experienced that and then looked at it and go, and go what am I doing? Do you know, this, yeah. is, this is kind of nuts. And the stores themselves, frankly, when they've done a cost-benefit analysis, in some cases have found you're just shifting sales from one day to another. Right. Your, your, your employees are exhausted. And there also is a way, if you close, to send the message that you're a little socially responsible, you care about your people, which I think maybe could endear um, some of the retailers to, to the millennial group that they're constantly trying to attract, because I think the millennials like that sort of thing. So I, I do think there's a move. So a little push backwards of, okay, and enough. Do we have to shop every minute of the day? And besides right. the fact, we can anyway because we can go online. And so, so there's the consumer side of it. I want to pick up on the kind of on the retail side of it. As, as Amanda just said, retailers hate Black Friday. They hate the holiday season. It's all hands on deck. Yeah. It's, it's, just, it's just everyone's on pins and needles for these six weeks. That's a shame. Uh, it's it, it's it's you're rewarding bad customers. Yeah. You're uh, in, in some ways upsetting them and maybe even hurting the the goodwill with your brand by uh, infringing on on holiday time. Your employees don't like it. Uh, senior management doesn't like it. It's a terrible situation. Uh, you shouldn't be uh, in the, this kind of scenario where what you're doing, you're doing with such dread. It's not like they're making so much money, so much real profit over the holiday season that it's worth it. You know, the best they can hope for is that the holiday season doesn't go badly. But it, it's yeah. rare for a retailer to walk away from it saying, that was amazing. Let's do it again. It's like, oh, we have to. So how do you get that through the heads of the executives at some of these retailers to say, look, look at all of the negatives that are here. Are you really gaining that much that you need to be open on Thanksgiving Day? We have to change the metrics that they use. Because right now, all they're rewarded on is just tonnage. It's just let's push stuff out the door. We yeah. don't care who's buying it. We don't care whether those customers are ever coming back again because we're just pushing stuff out the door. But if they could see how much long-run value they're creating or destroying uh, with these kinds of tactics, they might think a little bit differently. Amanda, you were talking about the 36 inches of snow. I'm wondering if that's how much you got in Syracuse there because well, of the storm that went through the, the central New York the other day. Yes, actually we did. Where I live, which is south of Syracuse, we got 36 inches. Boom. So, as you know, as an ex-retailer, I kept thinking, well, 
the coat buyers are going to be very happy in the northeast this, this year because finally we've got some cold, you know, but it, in time for the big season. But it, it is interesting, though, that it, when you think about Thanksgiving and, and you know, growing up, it, it's interesting that the the industry that kind of started this whole thing of being open on Thanksgiving was grocery. Now, grocery usually is, well, at least it was when I was growing up, you know, the grocery store would be open from like 6 a.m. to like noon, and then they would close because people invariably, as you said, Amanda, they forget their, their canned pumpkin or they, you know, they need extra soda or they need something and they've just forgotten it. But they always made sure that those employees could be out the door by, let's say, one o'clock so that they could still get home and have their turkey and and, and do that. So it's mm-hmm. interesting that we talk about all these negatives, yet it was the grocery industry that kind of started this all off. Oh, they sure did. But I think uh, now now we have so many convenience stores that you can probably get canned pumpkin in a, in a hundred different places. You know, I think some of the openings seem a little crazy. I realize I agree with you that they're chasing sales. I mean, literally chasing. When you look at, um, they're watching each other too. So if you look at, you know, Costco and Sam's Club are closed yeah. on tomorrow, and Target and Walmart are open, which I find kind of hilarious. You know what I mean? So, so that the, the, the clubs have decided to close, and Sam's Club is closed, owned by Walmart, who's open because Target's open. So it, it, they're just they don't they don't want to cut down on their categories. Other, other stores have just said, no, we're out of the game. We're, we're leaving it. But I, I, I don't think really there's an, any of us have an absolute need for something. I understand the drugstore tradition of staying open. Yeah. That, that has other <clears throat> issues, as you said. That has other products and things that people really might need. But the rest of it has got, got into just like, are we going to open? If you look at what Macy's doing, they're opening at 5 p.m. on, on uh, Thanksgiving. Then they're closing at 2, and then they're opening again at, at 5 a.m. or something. Like, what is going on? What are you going to do with your, your employees at that time? You have a three-hour closing break. You might as well just stay open all night. You know, it's, it's got to be exhausting on the people trying to plan and run stores to do something like this. Just put some cots in the back of the storage, right? That's yeah. all you need to do. <laughs> Get out the sleeping bag. I think Amanda opened this segment by making a metaphor about broken eggs and how they, they mush together, referring to the, the different special days. But I think it's really a case of broken business models, that this is just not the way that retailers want to operate. This is not yeah. the way they should operate. Mm-hmm. In this day and age, with the kinds of data and operational capabilities, they don't need to operate this way. Uh, and I really think it's a matter of stepping back, not just for PR reasons, like REI last year and other companies are doing this year, but to say it's just not good economic uh, sense for us to be uh, playing this kind of game. Uh, let's do what's really best for us and our shareholders and ultimately for our consumers as well. Well, I, and what's interesting is that in terms of the retailers that are open on Thanksgiving Day, you have some of the you know the big box stores that, that are open. But it, what I found interesting is that like the, the dollar stores are, are open on Thanksgiving night as well. It's like, you know, I think people should know, Amanda, when you're going into those stores, you're not exactly getting the highest quality merchandise to begin with. So do you really need to get that stuff on Thanksgiving night? I, 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 I can't see why you would. I, I, I look at those that are open and those that are closed, though, and I think it's an, there's a somewhat of an interesting kind of bias here or, or like um, um, if you look at the ones staying closed, to me, in many cases, you're looking at specialty stores, stores who have a very specific um, point of view. 
if you will look at the ones staying open, to me, they seem to be in the ring having the biggest fight for margin and sales of anyone. Right. So you've got the Macy's and the Best Buy's and the Coles and the J.C. Penney's, and they're all in a fight for their lives right now. If you're the ones that are staying closed, I think I would perhaps, I don't know if Peter would agree, have more of a clear, I think, logical model. You know, Crate and Barrel's not open. Nordstrom's not open. You know, there's stores that are deliberately saying, we're not going to join in this. You know, we, 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 we're fine with Black Friday and all the rest of it, but we don't have to pull this forward and make it even more of, uh, of a sort of fight than it already is. It comes back to, Matthew, you're exactly right. It comes back to the idea of stores that are just focused on tonnage, where it's going to sell yeah. a lot of stuff to whoever right. will buy it, as opposed to stores that really want to build and manage uh, relationships with customers. Of course, all retailers talk about that, but some of them are just much more sincere about it, much more focused in their activities, the products that they sell, and how and when they sell them. Yeah. That's the big difference. Well, it's interesting. You mentioned, Amanda, about you know the, the types of stores that are, that are open on Thanksgiving night compared to the ones that are not. There's an interesting map done by CNBC of, of who was open on Thanksgiving and who was not. And as you said... Target, Kohl's, you know, the, the multifaceted type of, type of right. retailer is open. Office Max, Office Depot, obviously, why would they be, you know, you don't have to be open on Thanksgiving night. Home Depot and Lowe's. Well, unless somebody wants to run in and buy the super, you know, inflatable Santa on Thanksgiving night, you don't need to be open on those days. Right, right. So I think, I think that the ones who are fighting, who are in the ring, are, are fighting it out by, by just thinking, which I, I agree with Peter, I think it's a very old-fashioned way of thinking, and it, it, it needs to be rethought that, okay, well, all I've got is I'll stay open longer than anyone else. That's my strategy. Is, I'll stay open longer, and I'll just, I'll just be available more time. Well, we're already up to 70 hours a week of, of stores being open, and yeah. we have 24-7 online. So that argument now, I think, is a little, a little fatuous. Is there a way, is there a path to kind of go back to what it was and not be open on, on Thanksgiving night? I think there's, there's two ways forward. Number one will be, uh, it, let's go back to the REI uh, strategy yeah. from last year, which in, in some way maybe they stumbled into. They got lucky with it. Seeing a lot of retailers this year saying that they're either going to do something like that or they're going to take all of the money that they, all, all of their gross mm-hmm. revenue. I think Patagonia just announced something mm-hmm. that every dollar they make is going to go to some charity. So yeah. we're going to find a way to kind of ratchet it down as kind of a brand building exercise. But then secondly, we're going to start seeing more firms here that really are focused on operational efficiency. Again, some of these firms coming over from Europe, starting on the grocery side, who just aren't going to play that game. And they might even take a hit during these six weeks because it's going to be so worthwhile for them for the rest of the year. And I think the, these traditional U.S. retailers uh, will eventually follow suit. Great to have you both joining us today. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you. Thank happy you. holidays. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy, happy Thanksgiving to both of you. Thank you very much. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.